Welcome to the Bible Feed podcast. It's great to be back talking about the Bible and faith in the modern world. And we have had a break, haven't we, Paul? Yeah, but it's good to be back. It is good to be back, sure. We, we're going to be picking up where we left off. We, we reached 50 episodes and that felt like a really good good place to, to pause. So the things that we're going to do, we, we've, we've got some plans. We've been busy working away, thinking about what to do. And some of the things we're going to be doing are working through book by book, doing a series <laughs> on, on overviews, book overviews, or how to read, how to read Genesis, you know, what what's an introduction to to numbers. So there's plenty to go out there. And I think actually some of those books might actually need more than one That's right. overview. I'm thinking of Isaiah or something like that. Yeah. And also in parallel to that, we've picked out some biblical themes. So there are some ideas that flow right through the Bible. And I've got a list of, I think it's about 30 <laughs> themes. Okay. So we've got a few to go out there as well. Topics that we can pick out and see how they're used across all of those books of the Bible. And then, of course, like we've been doing before, is getting on a number of different guests, different people from across the Christelphian community, and they'll be talking about all sorts of things, things Bible-related, Bible study, their experiences of faith, church life, all sorts of different things. So let's dive in. So here's to the next 500 episodes. 500, okay. Is that when we next get a break? Okay, so today we're going to do a biblical theme and try and trace through one theme, but pull pull through some of the threads, some of the ideas about what what it is. The idea of the kingdom of God. What on earth is the kingdom of God? That's what we're going to be talking about. You know, there's there's you know that phrase itself appears in different places in the Bible. There's other phrases like it that are related that appear in different parts of the Bible as well. So we want to try and get a clear view of of what the writers of the Bible were thinking. What what were they trying to communicate when they said things like the kingdom of God? And this is tri- tricky one to start with. I, I guess they, they all might be a little bit because it <laughs> sounds like it sounds very simple at the start, but actually. That phrase in itself means a lot of different things to different people, doesn't it, Paul? It's a bit of a slippery concept. And I came across a number of different ideas or approaches or concepts that people attach to the kingdom of God. It means different things to, to different people. So let me just run through them and, and see what you see what you think okay. of them. So there's there's eight models of the kingdom of God that I came across. And we'll just run through them. So the first one is that it's a future hope. You know, it's a future kingdom. So that, you know, that's fair enough. But it puts it very clearly out of the present time and, and into the future. So that's the first one. The second one is described as the kingdom as an inner spiritual experience or the interior kingdom. I can see that, you know, people say I've accepted Jesus as my Lord, as mm-hmm. my king, and Jesus is ruling in my heart. I can see that aspect, I think might be might be meant there. So future kingdom, the interior kingdom. The third one is the kingdom as mystical communion. Okay. The heavenly kingdom. What's that then? I'm not quite sure what that <laughs> what that means, okay. really. I can speculate. It might be to do with going to heaven, something like that, which we've addressed that before from a biblical point of sure, view. Sure, yeah. That that's not really where the Bible is is talking about the the hope of Christians. So that's three. 
the future kingdom, interior kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. The fourth one is the institutional, the kingdom as the institutional church. Okay. The ecclesiastical kingdom. I kind of recognize that in, in the way some people talk about the, mm. the kingdom of God. It, you know, you may have heard of replacement theory in that when the Bible talks about Israel as people of God, that there is a, a view that Israel have been replaced by the church. Mm. And that's now the people, the kingdom of God. That's one idea. Here's an interesting one for the fifth one. The kingdom as a counter system, the subversive kingdom. So... What do you think that Some might sort be? Some sort of secret about? organization or something. Yeah. yeah. Sounds really cool, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kingdom people protesting and putting up banners late in the night, early in the morning, or, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Gluing themselves. Yeah, that's it. Things. Yeah. It's an interesting one because we, when we've talked about Revelation, we've, we've talked about where a Christian's allegiance is, not necessarily to the, the ruling powers of, of the world. Sometimes sounds a little bit subversive. Mm. So with, with five down, Three to go of these eight models. So the sixth one is the kingdom as political state, the theocracy, a theocratic mm-hmm. kingdom. So that's that's an interesting one. You know, that's very much grounded in politics, national mm. nations. Number seven is the kingdom as Christianized culture, the transforming kingdom, where I guess the idea there is that Christian values and ideals just gradually seep into the everyday consciousness and the way society works and transforms it. And that becomes the kingdom of God. And then the final one, the kingdom as earthly utopia, the utopian kingdom. Something when everything's great on the earth. Yeah, it kind of feels a bit like the future, the first mm, one, the future yeah, kingdom. But defining where uh, it is would, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So that's a whistle-stop tour through centuries of debate and uh, discussion about that sort of thing. There's obviously some tensions between that. You know, obviously, if, mm. you know, is the kingdom of God um, somewhere in heaven where people go to, or is the kingdom of God the earthly utopia? There's clearly a tension yeah. between those things. You know, that's something future or present. There seems to be a tension mm-hmm. there as well. Is it a tangible thing or is it a state of mind that that seems to be yeah. somewhere where there's a tension so we've got to try and resolve this then haven't we you know how do we work out what what did, what did it mean to the biblical authors yeah, yeah and, and all of those models of the kingdom that I've, I've just run through there very quickly they can't all be equally true mm. more than one of them could be and perhaps where we're going to end up as we as we look through the biblical information, or some of it at least, there's some truth in some of those models. It's a downside of a tendency to kind of try and categorize things and put labels on, on different views. It's never quite as simplistic as that. So let's try and get to something that is a bit clearer and a bit more nailed down and focused mm. than those those eight models and everything that's encompassed in them. Okay. Okay, so this is a, a theme throughout the Bible then. So where where should we start in the Bible to try and work out you know, what the Bible is saying about this? I guess if we follow a theme through the Bible, you'd normally expect to start at the beginning and kind mm. of work through the different sections. But I suggest it is helpful to start with Jesus and start with you know, what, what Jesus was teaching, what, what Jesus was doing. Mm. So in, in Mark's Gospel, for instance, we have in chapter one, right at the beginning, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So whatever he came to talk about, to tell people about, he's saying, 
It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And in, in Luke's gospel, it kind of parallels that by saying that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Mm. So, so whatever he was saying is about the kingdom of God. Yeah. So the next question is, well, what, what was, was he it? saying? Yeah. What was he preaching? Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting. <laughs> he, did, he doesn't come along and say, you know, uh, here, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let me tell you about this kingdom or something is at hand, which mm. is called the kingdom of God. And now I'm going to introduce you to it. He's almost expecting them to understand yeah. it. You know, is that valid? Yeah. And that's the difficulty, actually, with starting here with Jesus, really, is that he talks about the kingdom of God as though people already have a, the people he's talking mm -hmm. to already have a concept of what that is. Mm. And most of what he's saying is repent and believe in the gospel, you know, change your ways, do something in your lives, change your behavior because the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not explaining very much about what the kingdom of God mm. is. And you think about the Sermon on the Mount and all of the content of Jesus preaching is all about how you should behave mm. and what needs to change in, in people's lives. So it's assumed that people have some idea about what the kingdom of God already is. Something familiar to a, mm. to a, a Jewish audience. Mm. Yeah, because it's Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience, isn't he? So, mm. so there's there's clearly a, a Jewish cultural background, a, an Old Testament background, that kind of thing. A Jewish expectation yeah. about what the kingdom of God coming might be. Is there, is there anything else we can see in Jesus' teaching that helps us unravel that a bit more? Yeah, I think so. And when we look at some, and we'll just kind of fairly quickly look at two or three verses from the from the New Testament still, and the first couple from Jesus still. So in Matthew's Gospel, we have, I mentioned his Sermon on the Mount. As part of that Sermon on the Mount, his, his disciples ask him how, how they should pray, and he gives what's called the Lord's Prayer, this sort of model example prayer. And as part of that, he says that, you know, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's that's already started to put the emphasis, if mm. you like, on what we should think about the kingdom of God being in in certain directions. If someone is praying that, one of the disciples of Jesus is praying that, your kingdom come, well, it, it's not here mm. yet. It's a future thing. And it talks about your will being done on earth. So there's something something about it being on earth. And then if we flick forward to Acts of the Apostles and, and the first chapter there, which is pretty much the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascended in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus, after his resurrection, has been spending time with his disciples, and he's been speaking to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. So he spent a lot of time mm. with, with his disciples, and, and the subject of, of what he's been talking about is the kingdom of God. And, and I've 
of course, his disciples, as I'm sure we would, have have a few questions afterwards. One one particular question is, when is mm. this going to happen? So, so their question comes in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. When they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're connecting the kingdom, kingdom of God with Israel. And then Jesus ascends and the two men stood by them and said, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So there's quite a lot of information in that about the Jewish expectation, the disciples of Jesus' expectation of of the kingdom. Something connected with Israel, something connected with something on earth, and connected with a return of of Jesus as he had as he had ascended, so he would he would return. So that's that's the sort of expectation that's set up there. And then just finally, when we go to the last book of the Bible and the book of Revelation and John, the author of this book, in Revelation 5, there's a, a description of a song that is sung by the redeemed Christian, redeemed Christians. And they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. By your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So, yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a issue with the tenses there, isn't there? Yeah, because mm. there's you have made them. That's you know, the aorist tense in Greek, the past tense, perfect tense as it is in English. You have made them a kingdom. This is the disciples, followers of Jesus, believers. But they shall reign on the earth. There's a future mm. expectation. Of reigning on earth mm. as well. Well, I suppose that that opens up the idea that is there something more to it than just one or the other. Is that what this is leading us towards? You know, we've definitely seen that there's the this prayer for God's kingdom to come, and for Jesus to come again, and for people to reign on the earth in the future. Yeah, but. There is a kingdom to some extent already made by the blood of Jesus that, you know, the way what, what he's yeah. achieved in his, his death is maybe that's setting us up. Um, but the, then I'm just sort of thinking about all the other, the different ideas, the models you presented. There's that view about it's an internal state of mind or, you know, mm. an internal state of being. And there is that, some, it's in Luke, isn't it? Luke 17, where where Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. That's That's always quoted isn't it as as support for that idea so what do we make of that yeah i think that's the king james version translation of that the kingdom of god is within you and i think the niv may have that as well there's a couple of things mm. to to point out there one is most of most of the other translations will translate it something like the kingdom of god is in your midst okay or the kingdom of god is among you mm. So it, it 
it takes it away from being, you know, within you, which sounds like it's it's the interior kingdom, you know, that internal it's to do with your the state of your heart. It's not it's conveying something a little bit different in your midst. The kingdom of God is is among you. So just park that for a minute. And then the second point is this word kingdom in English, you tend to think of it more as a place mm. or a location. The United Kingdom. Yep. The kingdom of Denmark or whatever. You tend to think of a a location. The Greek word for it is basileia, and it's it's a bit broader than just the location, and and it means the royal power or the royal rulership of okay. something of God. So so when you think of it like that, and if Jesus had said, where is it in in Luke seventeen, verse twenty one. So it's, yeah, so nor will they say, look here it is or there, for behold, the royal rulership, the royal power of God is among you. Mm. You know, what might you think he's referring to? Well, he's he's been claiming that he has the authority of God and he's acting yeah. under God's authority. So is is that perhaps what he's saying? Yeah, and, and making claims to be the Messiah, mm. the anointed mm. one in the line of David, etc. You know, so the the king, the appointed, the anointed king and and on behalf of God, on God's behalf. So that makes much more sense of that statement of mm. Jesus. Effectively, he's saying, you know, you don't need to look up to the sky or, or look across the horizon because the royal power of God is right here in front of you and, and it's embodied in, in what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And there is a sense, we've kind of alluded to it already in that, that verse from Revelation. There is a sense in which people put themselves under the rulership, the royal power mm of Jesus and under Jesus' kingship. In um, Colossians, for example, Paul says it really clearly. He says in Colossians 1, verse 13, he says that he has, or God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, you know, that's not about taking someone from one location and moving them to another location. It, It means that people, believers, have moved out from the the dominion, the rulership of one force or one influence and are now Mm. under the royal kingship of of Jesus. Mm. Sovereignty, isn't it? That's that's what it's talking about. So Yeah, that's a good that's a good word for it. Yeah. So yeah, being transferred under the sovereignty now of Jesus or recognizing that he has that he is sovereign, he's acting on on, uh, God's authority. And it's there in Revelation chapter 1. We read from chapter 5, but in chapter 1, John is writing to the seven churches. And then in verse 5, towards the end, he says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And then he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. So he's he's recognizing you know, Jesus as his king, and that's something he shares as a partner with, with other people who recognize Jesus as their king. So it's an important aspect of yeah. the kingdom, the rulership, the royal power of God vested in Jesus, but it's not the only mm. one. Yeah, okay. So there's something about people recognizing the sovereignty of God in their lives right mm. now mm. because he has sent his son, Jesus, as, as the Messiah. Yeah. So that's important. 
but there's also an expectation that he is to come again and the kingdom of yeah. God is, is something tangible and real. So we haven't seen anything about heaven or going to heaven or anything like that, have we, so far. But there is this phrase, kingdom of heaven, that comes up in different parts. Well, it's, it's through Matthew, actually, isn't it? Where it, where it yeah. appears. Yeah, it's a question that you're much better <laughs> equipped to answer. Than, than I am, Dan, having done a series on Matthew. So I, I refer you, listener, to series on, on the Gospel of Matthew, in which there is a whole episode dedicated to the kingdom of heaven and that phrase as it appears in, in Matthew. Yeah, so ho- hopefully we've not contradicted anything in that or, no. or re- <laughs> you know, developed the thoughts because that's approaching it from a very different angle, just trying to pick through what Jesus meant in the Gospel of Matthew and how it's an equivalent phrase to the kingdom of God and it, it isn't mm. really, it's not defining a location. So that's worth going back to check. So, okay, so we've only looked at the New Testament so far. I'm really conscious of that. And um, Mm. this is meant to be a theme throughout the whole Bible. Mm. And actually, we've seen that Jesus was talking about a concept that the people he was speaking to would have already understood this. So what about the Old Testament? What about the Jewish scriptures? Although we've only looked at the New Testament so far, we've looked at some words of Jesus and some conversations with his disciples, which are very much rooted in... Old Testament concepts and ideas, which, which we'll, we'll take a look at. Now, now, if you, if you search for kingdom of God as a phrase in the Old Testament, it doesn't appear. Okay. <laughs> which is perhaps surprising, but that doesn't mean it's not a concept that, that is relevant and embedded in parts of the Old Testament. Because we have a couple of examples where, and, and this is not surprising, having having looked at Acts chapter 1 and what the disciples asked Jesus about the kingdom of Israel, we find that there's a couple of instances where the kingdom of Israel is referred to not as the kingdom of God, but as the kingdom of the Lord, the kingdom of Yahweh. And they're in the first book of Chronicles, the two that we'll look at are in first book of Chronicles. So 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 5 we have David talking about passing on the the throne of, of Israel, the, the kingdom, to his son Solomon. And in, he says, And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of Yahweh over Israel. So, you know, David is talking about the kingdom of Israel as the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of the Lord. Same sort of thing in the next chapter, chapter 29 and verse 11. Um, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So so there's that idea of, that David's talking about as, as he as king and passing on to Solomon as king over Israel, seeing himself as ruling on behalf of of, on God's behalf, and therefore it's it's God's kingdom. It's the mm. kingdom of Yahweh. I, I'm not an expert in this, but I think that's probably a fairly common concept of kings in the ancient Near East thinking of themselves as ruling on behalf of a deity. Mm. 
And so it's not that dissimilar to that. And, and, and here is, you know, the kingdom of Israel being the kingdom of Yahweh, the God of Israel. So this, you've looked at this verse about David and Solomon. Is, is that all that this is about? Was, was there any expectation of anything beyond that? Yes, definitely. And that, and that's a, that's a good point in that while there's that similarity between how David and Solomon talk about their position as king over the kingdom reigning on behalf of their god Yahweh and that being similar to other nations there is a, a sense in which the the biblical account projects beyond simply that for example in in 2 Samuel and chapter 7 we have promises made to David king David through the prophet Nathan and he's told that so this is the words of the prophet Nathan to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So there's something that's projecting forward for a much longer period than just David and, and Solomon and his son and, and and a dynasty like that. It's it's talking about something that lasts forever. Mm. Okay, But then we find through the history of David and Solomon that they have some good qualities, but all of them trip up and fail in some way. None of them turn out to be the, the one for whom those words can truly be said to have been fulfilled and, and certainly didn't rule forever. So something else is needed. Yeah, and then the history of, of Israel and, and Judah as it became ends, mm. doesn't it? The, the history of the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah ends quite dramatically when the Babylonians burn mm. Jerusalem. So, and and it's that long period of time after that when there is no kingdom, there's no rule, there's no sovereignty of that sort of nation. That And, and it's in that situation that Jesus comes along and says the kingdom of God mm. is at hand. So, you can sort of see there's a bit of a, a tie-in. Uh, people would be expecting or hoping for that kingdom to come back. A political entity. Yeah. So, so that's helpful. How does it? How does that flow into the things that we've talked about? So, we've talked about accepting Jesus as King and and we're waiting for something in the future. We, we, perhaps we just need to fill fill the gap if there if we can. Can we fill the gap? Well, maybe Luke's gospel can fill okay. the gap for us. And and as Jesus came preaching the king, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. And um, we've already said that people seem to have already had an idea of what he meant by that. It, it, it's probably these ideas from the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures about one who would be the descendant of David, the offspring of David, who would restore the, the kingdom, restore the nation and, and rule forever. That's probably the sort of concept that was in people's minds. And, and the link is made quite explicit in Luke's gospel when you know, the record there of the angel Gabriel speaking to to Mary announcing that she is to have a son that is to be Jesus and in verses 30 through to 32 so the angel says to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end Jake, the kingdom of the house of jacob that's israel jacob's name was changed to to israel so so it's really explicit 
that Mary's being told there that Jesus is this one, the descendant of David, mm. the anointed king. He will reign over Israel. Yeah, okay. Uh, and of his kingdom, mm. there'll be no end. It'll be forever. So it's definitely pulling on that Jewish concept from the Old Testament. But through Jesus, it effectively becomes much more than just mm. about the kingdom of Israel. We saw in Revelation, it was you saved people, redeemed people by your blood from all nations, languages, tribes, and, and people. Mm. Okay. So, so that concept that they were waiting for, people were expecting this very tangible political Jewish kingdom to emerge. And and yes, that's what Jesus has come to do, but it's something much bigger, perhaps, than what mm. they were expecting. Yeah, the Jews might have seen the fulfillment of those promises, if you like, to be Israel as a, as a nation, fairly small part of the world, restored. It's a great kingdom. It's, it's wonderful. And, and the effect of that just spreads. Mm. It, it has a general effect on the surrounding nations. But actually, it's much more than that in, in Jesus. It's still centered in on earth, physical location of Jerusalem, mm. but all nations are brought into it in a much more complete and augmented way mm. through Jesus than the way many Jews would have thought about it at the time mm. Jesus appeared. Okay, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that's good. That's a really good sort of summary of it. And, and then to just to complete that summary that of the things that we've seen, in anticipation of that being finally fulfilled, people can, right now, when they, when they come to, to know Jesus, know what he stands for, know he's died and, and has, has been risen and, and is king overall, they can put themselves under his sovereignty, under his kingship, under his mm. rulership now. So, so there, is, you know, there is that other aspect that in anticipation of that, people live as if they're part of that kingdom right now as well. Yeah, and then it's fully realised in yeah. that biblical prospect of a Jesus returned. and a, Yeah, it is a political entity mm. on earth. Okay. That's, that's good. So just thinking back to all those fancy words and terms <laughs> at the beginning, there's eight different concepts. Have, have we covered them all? Are they all right? <laughs> or most of them, maybe? Well, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just looking back at them. Future, yes, there's a future return of Jesus reigning on the earth. And in a spiritual experience, if that's to do with Jesus being your your king, your sovereign now, yes. The heavenly kingdom, I'm less convinced yeah. by that one. Not, we're not sure what it means anyway, so yeah. No, institutional, the ecclesiastical, the church as the kingdom. We've maybe seen a hint of John talking about he's, he's partnering with other people that are also mm. under the... The rulership of, you know, have put themselves under the rulership of Jesus. But not necessarily in, as, in as some organization with authority mm. that, that perhaps is sometimes taken to mm. mean. But, but yeah, maybe there's something little in that. Yeah. The subversive kingdom. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say uh, we haven't I really seen that. I don't think we've seen that it. No, but I think... If I remember correctly, if you listen back to the Matthew episodes from earlier, <laughs> there is definitely a hint in, in Jesus' teaching that is subverting the status quo of powers and rulers and the strong domineering. Yeah, yeah certainly recognising that for what it is, not necessarily uprooting it, no. and subverting it and changing it by protest. No, in the sort of, no not, not violent activists. Certainly not by violent No, no definitely not. No, yeah. we've thought about that, haven't we? Yeah. The theocratic kingdom. I think that's definitely There's come an element through. of that, yeah. It was there in the Old Testament. An individual, a king ruling mm -hmm. on God's behalf. The 
Christianized culture transforming the world. I mean, there may be some effect yeah. of that in people living with mm -hmm. in after the example of Jesus, but again, probably perhaps not a little bit limited. Yeah, not not come through strongly in the verses we've looked at. So and then, finally, as earthly utopia, mm. I think we've seen that one. So we've probably got about five out of the eight. Yeah. That have come through. That's good. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah. It, it does show that putting things in boxes and and saying you stand for this particular theological interpretation isn't necessarily mm. the better way of, of proceeding. <laughs> There's a lot more nuance sometimes. So that's really really helpful. One thing that I think is important as we do these theme episodes is just think about how this idea fits in with the rest of the structure of the Bible, the rest of the structure mm. of other theological ideas, other thoughts that are in the Bible, because nothing stands on its own, does it? So how does this relate to other ideas in the Bible? I'm conscious this is the first theme that we've... Well, it's not really the first. There are some mm. in, in our previous 50 episodes. We've looked at things like the soul and the idea of the immortal soul perhaps not being something that yeah. is in the Bible or the hope of, of a Christian. It's much more about resurrection and a bodily resurrection. So that concept makes much more sense if the full ultimate realization of the kingdom of Israel restored in this way on earth it, it, you know is a thing on earth it makes sense that a resurrected body would have something to do mm. with that you know rather than souls going to heaven or hell which is not really a biblical idea so bringing those two things together resurrection and kingdom of god on earth really starts to make it easier to visualize mm. or start to think about something tangible mm. as to what this kingdom of god might be that's helpful with i think as we do do more of these themes we'll start to see how they connect mm. more and more to to each other yeah but yeah as you say that that was already connected really well with the things we looked at before that the soul heaven and, and then i suppose hell as well which is the, the counterpart which we've we've mm. touched on as well in a, another episode so okay good thanks for helping us walk through that paul there's we've mentioned quite a few <laughs> earlier episodes actually which is which is good because this this is a, a you know a short it's only meant to be a high level overview we're trying to distill lots of information in a short period of time about one theme one topic so there's there's going to be lots of other things that you might want to follow up and so on and so why not navigate to biblefeed.org <laughs> and go and have a look at, at the other episodes that there are and the other blog content as well just search for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and see what you get. You'll get the Matthew series, the ep there's the episode on the kingdom of heaven. You'll get the episode, where is heaven, uh, which will be relevant. So thanks a lot, Paul, for taking us through that. It's really, really good to be back talking about this, discussing the Bible, thinking about these different Bible topics and faith in the modern world. And it's going to be going to be great to be able to do this again more regularly. And if you Got any comments? If you have anything that you want to say, any feedback, please do let us know. Head over to biblefeed.org and follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, and, and yeah, let us know what, what you think. And by all means, introduce us to, to a friend, a family member, or, or someone you're sitting next to on the bus or on the train, or, you know, they need to know about the kingdom of God. You can let them know. So we will be really pleased to be back with you again soon. And uh, thank you very much.